Chapter seventeen of Elective Affinities. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Nicole Lee. Elective Affinities by Johann Wolfgang von Goethe. Chapter seventeen. Ottilie heard someone ride away and went to the window in time just to catch a sight of Edward's back. It was strange, she thought, that he should have left the house without seeing her, without having even wished her good morning. She grew uncomfortable, and her anxiety did not diminish when Charlotte took her out for a long walk, and talked of various other things, but not once, and apparently on purpose, mentioning her husband. When they returned, she found the table laid only with two covers. It is unpleasant to miss even the most trifling thing to which we have been accustomed. In serious things such a loss becomes miserably painful. Edward and the captain were not there. The first time, for a long while, Charlotte sat at the head of the table herself and it seemed to Ottilie as if she was deposed. The two ladies sat opposite each other. Charlotte talked, without the least embarrassment, of the captain and his appointment, and of the little hope there was of seeing him again for a long time. The only comfort Ottilie could find for herself was in the idea that Edward had ridden after his friend to accompany him a part of his journey. On rising from table, however, they saw Edward's travelling carriage under the window. Charlotte, a little as if she was put out, asked who had it brought round there, she was told it was the valet who had some things there to pack up. It required all Ottilie's self-command to conceal her wonder and her distress. The valet came in and asked if they would be so good as to let him have a drinking-cup of his master's, a pair of silver spoons, and a number of other things, which seemed to Ottilie to imply that he was gone some distance, and would be away for a long time. Charlotte gave him a very cold, dry answer. She did not know what he meant. He had everything belonging to his master under his own care. What the man wanted was to speak a word to Ottilie, and on some pretence or other to get her out of the room. He made some clever excuse, and persisted in his request so far that Ottilie asked if she should go to look for the things for him. But Charlotte quietly said that she had better not. The valet had to depart, and the carriage rolled away. It was a dreadful moment for Ottilie. She understood nothing, comprehended nothing. She could only feel that Edward had been parted from her for a long time. Charlotte felt for her situation, and left her to herself. We will not attempt to describe what she went through, or how she wept. She suffered infinitely. She prayed that God would help her only over this one day. The day passed, and the night, and when she came to herself again she felt herself a changed being. She had not grown composed. She was not resigned. But after having lost what she had lost, she was still alive, and there was still something for her to fear. Her anxiety, after returning to consciousness, was at once lest, now that the gentlemen were gone, she might be sent away too. She never guessed at Edward's threats which had secured her remaining with her aunt, yet Charlotte's manners served partially to reassure her. The latter exerted herself to find employment for the poor girl, and hardly ever, never if she could help it, left her out of her sight. And although she knew well how little words can do against the power of passion, yet she knew too the sure though slow influence of thought and reflection, and therefore missed no opportunity of inducing Ottilie to talk with her on every variety of subject. It was no little comfort to Ottilie when one day Charlotte took an opportunity of making, she did it on purpose, the wise observation, how keenly grateful people were to us when we were able by stilling and calming them to help them out of the entanglements of passion. Let us set cheerfully to work, she said, at what the men have left incomplete. We shall be preparing the most charming surprise for them when they return to us, and our temperate proceedings will have carried through and executed what their impatient natures would have spoilt. Speaking of temperance, my dear aunt, 
i cannot help saying how i am struck with the intemperance of men particularly in respect of wine it has often pained and distressed me when i observed how for hours together clearness of understanding judgment considerateness and whatever is most amiable about them will be utterly gone and instead of the good which they might have done if they had been themselves most disagreeable things sometimes threaten how often may not wrong rash determinations have arisen entirely from that one cause charlotte assented but she did not go on with the subject she saw only too clearly that it was edward of whom ottilie was thinking it was not exactly habitual with him but he allowed himself much more frequently than was at all desirable to stimulate his enjoyment and his power of talking and acting by such indulgence if what charlotte had just said had set ottilie thinking again about men and particularly about edward she was all the more struck and startled when her aunt began to speak of the impending marriage of the captain as of a thing quite settled and acknowledged this gave a totally different aspect to affairs from what edward had previously led her to entertain it made her watch every expression of charlotte's every hint every action every step ottilie had become jealous sharp-eyed and suspicious without knowing it meanwhile charlotte with her clear glance looked through the whole circumstances of their situation and made arrangements which would provide among other advantages full employment for ottilie she contracted her household not parsimoniously but into narrower dimensions and indeed in one point of view these moral aberrations might be taken for a not unfortunate accident for in the style in which they had been going on they had fallen imperceptibly into extravagance and from a want of seasonable reflection from the rate at which they had been living and from the variety of schemes into which they had been launching out their fine fortune which had been in excellent condition had been shaken if not seriously injured the improvements which were going on in the park she did not interfere with she rather sought to advance whatever might form a basis for future operations but here too she assigned herself a limit her husband on his return should still find abundance to amuse himself with in all this work she could not sufficiently value the assistance of the young architect in a short time the lake lay stretched out under her eyes its new shores turfed and planted with the most discriminating and excellent judgment the rough work at the new house was all finished everything which was necessary to protect it from the weather she took care to see provided and there for the present she allowed it to rest in a condition in which what remained to be done could hereafter be readily commenced again thus hour by hour she recovered her spirits and her cheerfulness ottilie only seemed to have done so she was only for ever watching in all that was said and done for symptoms which might show her whether edward would be soon returning and this one thought was the only one in which she felt any interest it was therefore a very welcome proposal to her when it was suggested that they should get together the boys of the peasants and employ them in keeping the park clean and neat edward had long entertained the idea a pleasant-looking sort of uniform was made for them which they were to put on in the evenings after they had been properly cleaned and washed the wardrobe was kept in the castle the more sensible and ready of the boys themselves were entrusted with the management of it the architect acting as chief director in a very short time the children acquired a kind of character it was found easy to mould them into what was desired and they went through their work not without a sort of manoeuvre as they marched along with their garden shears their long-handled pruning knives their rakes their little spades and hoes and sweeping brooms others following after these with baskets to carry off the stones and rubbish and others last of all trailing along the heavy iron roller it was a thoroughly pretty delightful procession the architect observed in it a beautiful series of situations and occupations to ornament the frieze of a garden-house ottilie on the other hand could see nothing in it but a kind of parade to salute the master of the house on his near return 
and this stimulated her and made her wish to begin something of the sort herself they had before endeavoured to encourage the girls of the village in knitting and sewing and spinning and whatever else women could do and since what had been done for the improvement of the village itself there had been a perceptible advance in these descriptions of industry Ottilie had given what assistance was in her power but she had given it at random as opportunity or inclination prompted her now she thought she would go to work more satisfactorily and methodically but a company is not to be formed out of a number of girls as easily as out of a number of boys she followed her good sense and without being exactly conscious of it her efforts were solely directed towards connecting every girl as closely as possible each with her own home her own parents brothers and sisters and she succeeded with many of them one lively little creature only was incessantly complained of as showing no capacity for work and is never likely to do anything if she were left at home ottilie could not be angry with the girl for to herself the little thing was especially attached she clung to her went after her and ran about with her whenever she was permitted and then she would be active and cheerful and never tire it appeared to be a necessity of the child's nature to hang about a beautiful mistress at first ottilie allowed her to be her companion then she herself began to feel a sort of affection for her and at last they never parted at all and nanny attended her mistress wherever she went the latter's footsteps were often bent towards the garden where she liked to watch the beautiful show of fruit it was just the end of the raspberry and cherry season the few remains of which were no little delight to nanny on the other trees there was a promise of a magnificent bearing for the autumn and the gardener talked of nothing but his master and how he wished that he might be at home to enjoy it ottilie could listen to the good old man for ever he thoroughly understood his business and edward 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 was for ever the theme of his praise ottilie observed how well all the grass which had been budded in the spring had taken i only wish the gardener answered my good master may come to enjoy them if he were here this autumn he would see what beautiful sorts there are in the old castle garden which the late lord his honoured father put there i think the fruit gardeners that are now don't succeed as well as the carthusians used to do we find many fine names in the catalogue and then we bud from them and bring up the shoots and at last when they come to bear it is not worth while to have such trees standing in our garden over and over again whenever the faithful old servant saw ottilie he asked when his master might be expected home and when ottilie had nothing to tell him he would look vexed and let her see in his manner that he thought she did not care to tell him the sense of uncertainty which was thus forced upon her became painful beyond measure and yet she could never be absent from these beds and borders what she and edward had sown and planted together were now in full flower requiring no further care from her except that nanny should be at hand with a watering-pot and who shall say with what sensation she watched the later flowers which were just beginning to show and which were to be in the bloom of their beauty on edward's birthday the holiday to which she had looked forward with such eagerness when these flowers were to have expressed her affection and her gratitude to him but the hopes which she had formed of that festival were dead now and doubt and anxiety never ceased to haunt the soul of the poor girl into real open hearty understanding with charlotte there was no more chance of her being able to return for indeed the position of these two ladies was very different if things could remain in their old state if it were possible that they could return again into the smooth even way of calm ordered life charlotte gained everything she gained happiness for the present and a happy future open before her on the other hand for ottilie all was lost one may say all for she had first found in edward what life and happiness meant and in her present position she felt an infinite and dreary chasm of which before she could have formed no conception a heart which seeks feels well that it wants something 
a heart which has lost feels that something is gone its yearning and its longing changes into uneasy impatience and a woman's spirit which is accustomed to waiting and to enduring must now pass out from its proper sphere become active and attempt and do something to make its own happiness ottilie had not given up edward how could she although charlotte wisely enough in spite of her conviction to the contrary assumed it as a thing of course and resolutely took it as decided that a quiet rational regard was possible between her husband and ottilie how often however did not ottilie remain at nights after bolting herself into her room on her knees before the open box gazing at the birthday presents of which as yet she had not touched a single thing not cut out or made up a single dress how often with the sunrise did the poor girl hurry out of the house in which she once had found all her happiness away into the free air into the country which then had had no charms for her even on the solid earth she could not bear to stay she would spring into the boat and row out into the middle of the lake and there drawing out some book of travels lie rocked by the motion of the waves reading and dreaming that she was far away where she would never fail to find her friend she remaining ever nearest to his heart and he to hers End of chapter 17